Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Uh, can you ever recall a time in your life where you were, you were longing for a little bit more in a relationship? Uh, norm- normally it starts way back in school with that very, very scary phrase that you had where you would say, would you like to be my best friend? <laughs> Remember that? That, that terrible nervous, nervousness of wondering if someone would do that. Or, or maybe it's your first crush in school. Uh, mine, mine was in year six with a girl called Emily and one of the most glorious days of my life. Uh, Emily had a habit of writing the boys that she liked, uh, their initials on the outside of a school bag. And, and one day I walked uh, during recess as I was going to get my recess and, and there on her, her, her canvas bag was, was the, the, the letters I heart SH. And there were no other SHs in the class, so it would have to be me. And I was just so excited, and oh, it was just the most glorious day of my life. Um, she'd written, I love JR, the very next day, but that, that doesn't matter. No. <laughs> um, or maybe it's been with a friend that you just hope that the relationship would just go to that next level. You know when things are just here all the time, and you just hope it would go here for once? Or maybe in marriage that your your relationships there, and there's been the I love yous, and and it's been a while, and 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 life's been busy, and you hope you hope that you could just discover that connection underneath that little bit better, or or maybe some of you I know that have children that you've cared for and you loved, and something's happened, and and they're not as close as they used to be. Hey, would it surprise you that the Bible screams all throughout the Bible, right from Genesis all the way to Revelation, its last book? Would it surprise you, regardless of your religious background or whether you've got a religious background at all? Would it surprise you that that is exactly how God feels about you? The same yearning, the same excitement, the same desire to be in relationship with you. And yet we hear that, and yet we turn up, and, and our relationship with him at best could be described sometimes, if we're real, I know it is in my life, as casual. Uh, yet it's fine, it's fine God, I, I, I get it, but I've, just, I've got stuff to do this week. Would it surprise you that God's not after a relationship that's casual, nor respectful, nor built around a holiday, nor... Nor in an environment where we just sit here and sit in rows. But he desires that deep relationship with us. And it's not just an ordinary relationship. It's a relationship that's full of his power and his presence. The fullness of God. He wants all of him to be in our lives and we treat him respectfully. Now, maybe we do because maybe we've had him confused over the years. We've got all sorts of different perspectives on it. People read this title and say, oh, the Holy Spirit, oh my goodness, like Northside's going to go crazy and charismatic and all sorts of stuff's going to happen. Or you might have come from different back- backgrounds. I'm an Anglican kid where we had the Holy Trinity, you know, the, f- the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. You know, it was... You know... <laughs> Sorry to any Anglicans out there. It's all... <laughs> Our Anglican brothers and sisters. But what, I, what I'm trying to get at is we know if you've been in church long enough that there's all sorts of perspectives on the Holy Spirit from the crazy end of the spectrum to the, um, to the conservative end of the spectrum. And, and, then, and then you know people think, okay, well, maybe we should get a healthy balance of the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, let's preach it. Let's get a bit of, bit of the word and a bit of the spirit. And, but look, last time I checked, there is no such thing as a healthy balance of God. So what we want to do over the next five weeks is to uh, unpack and to learn about the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, often the guy who's always forgotten about, the guy behind the guy of Christianity is what I often call him. And we'll cover things like the importance of the Spirit in the church and the purpose of the Holy Spirit and his role and, and, and what the power of the Holy Spirit looks like in the church and the gifts of the Spirit and how the Spirit, all, the, all of those key topics that some of you might be yearning for, we'll get to. But this morning, I just want to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit as a person, because here's the question for us this morning. We, we, I, I don't know if I've ever met a Christian who doesn't want more of the experience of God, right? We, we, always, want, we always want more of God, and we're always reading books on how we can experience Him and how we can encounter Him, or maybe you're checking out Christianity and you want to get a sense of this power and this experience and this otherworldliness. And so we try all these things, but... Uh, what if the thing that we're missing in our relationship with God is not something, but someone? And so Jesus solves this problem in uh, the book of John that we just read for. The, the context there is uh, Jesus is packing up the kids ready for a, for a holiday. It's the Last Supper. And so he's, he's getting ready to send them off. Uh, he's getting ready to send them out. This is the last couple of hours. You can imagine what would have been on his heart, his desire to just get the essence of what God is about, and what he's about and what his movement's about. And, and so he's trying to distill all of this in this final moments that he has with his disciples. This is the example where, where it's that nervous moment for, for every parent who's had a child that's turned 15 to 16 years of age and they've been down to the RTA, and you know what's about to happen. They, they want to learn how to drive. <laughs> and, and here's, thank goodness for the RTA, they've, they've got the best rule of all. You know, if, if you're a learner driver, what's the number one rule? You're not allowed to have the car all to yourself. And when you're a learner driver, someone has to be in the passenger seat. And, and the beauty of God in terms of the way that he works and what is different from Christianity, from so many others of the world's religion, in fact, it's the thing that makes it unique, is that God says, look, I know what your lives are like. I know what you are like, disciples. I know what my followers would be like. You think an L-plater is dangerous in their car. You wait till you get a human being run, running with their own devices. You just give a human being a steering wheel to their own life and see what happens. And so... Here Jesus says, you know what, I'm not going to give you a road map, I'm not going to give you a car manual, forget this, I'm getting in the car with you myself. <laughs> and so here's what we see first and foremost from John's Gospel, verse 17, straight away, uh, Jesus says, If you love me, you'll obey what I command, I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. That's a vitally important word. Have you noticed how Jesus says, and the world can, he doesn't say, and the world cannot accept it. (laughs) Or I'm going to send you something, or I'm going to send you the force. He says the world will not accept him. In other words, God sends himself as a person. The Holy Spirit, the first thing we learn about the Holy Spirit, most importantly, because people think of the Holy Spirit of God's power and the force and something to be used. 
But really, first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is a person, the third member of the Godhead, the Trinity. You see it all throughout the scriptures. The world cannot accept him. In Ephesians 4, the Holy Spirit is said to be grieved. You grieve the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews 10, you can outrage the Holy Spirit. In Romans 15, the Holy Spirit loves. So he loves, he grieves, he's outraged. I don't know about you, but that to me sounds like a person. So God talks about the Holy Spirit as a person. And then people say, well, what about, the, what about this whole Trinity thing? Well, here we go. Here's another 50-minute sermon. <laughs> oh, let me try and summarize here. Look, look closely at the passage. Jesus is not saying, oh, I'm not really going away. I'm coming to you in the form of the Spirit. He doesn't say that. He says, I am going away and the Spirit's going to come. Nor on the other hand is he saying, I'm going away and therefore I'm not coming, but he's coming because he's saying, I will be with you. So He's one with the Holy Spirit that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, Jesus comes into your life. And yet he's not so identical to the Holy Spirit that he's also already away and he's not really here. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's like nosebleed theology, isn't it? Just, um, I get it. I, I, got, I got confused too. And, and for a lot of people, this is the biggest hang up in their Christian walk. There, there's all sorts of different ways to describe the Trinity. Uh, the thing we want to get this morning is that we see God is a person, not a force in the Holy Spirit. We can talk about the Trinity later, but this is a series on the Holy Spirit. But what I want you to get, and here's why it's so important, the Holy Spirit's not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a divine person, a divine resident in the middle of your life. A divine resident in the middle of your life. Why does that matter? Because if it's just a force, then you're going to go about it in a, in a very mechanical sort of way. You know, Eastern, Eastern religions or other world religions, you see if God is just a, a force or if God is a little statue with incense sticks, then whenever you want to uh, relate to God, we'll talk about this in a second, you, you, you burn the sticks or you just go through the steps and the techniques in order to be with him. But it, it doesn't work that way with someone that's a person it's a totally different approach in christianity if you think of it as an it you're going to be trying to treat god in a mechanical way and and, and that's why like it, it really is crazy in some respects uh, when you see titles of books that say you know how how to be filled with the holy spirit in five easy steps <laughs> i mean that's that's like saying how to get how to get your wife to love you in five easy steps <laughs> You know, like there, there, there might be something to the degree where those steps um, help increase the love. You know, love language is an understanding. Each, I'm not, I'm not denying that, but they, the steps don't bring the love. Does this make sense? The, the steps don't invoke the love. And and, fur, and furthermore, if 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 you're a wife watching your husband do the five easy steps on on how to love, how how do you think that would how, how do you th- think that would make you feel? <laughs> Imagine how that grieves the Holy Spirit when we treat him like that. Treat God like that. So person's really important, so you don't treat him like five easy steps. But here's another way that it, it shifts our thinking. If you think as the Holy Spirit as a person, have you ever had the situation, I'm sure you had, situation where you have a, a really important guest staying with you in your house? What, what, what do you do? 
Now, when, we, when, we've ever, when we've ever had guests in the house, I mean, it's like, it's like a week-long routine to get the place fixed up, right? Like, come on, kids, get the stuff off the floor, put that in there. Everyone's chucking stuff into drawers and shoving it in, and you're making beds, and the place looks schmick, and the Ajax is out, and there's a bit of jiff, and everything looks... You do that? <laughs> you know, in other words, you, you prepare the place... To be ready for someone of that significance in your home. And so if the Holy Spirit is the divine resident in your life. Then my question for you this morning is. Do you go to the same lengths to prepare your own spiritual house for him? Are you aware, are you aware of him? How, how, would that, how would that shift your thinking on that God resides in you? For some of us, we, we spend more time tidying up the house for a guest than we do for God. So, we'll talk about in a few weeks about being filled by the Holy Spirit. How does that work? I, I just want to give you the overview for this morning, okay? The big picture, and then we'll get into the details as we progress. But here's the thing. If he's a person, how does that work in your life? Um, how, how, does, how does it work with the Holy Spirit in your life and, and I think the deeper question is um, what difference does it make that you're dealing with a someone rather than a something in your life that you're dealing with a person not an impersonal force you see here in verse 15 and 16 Jesus says if you love me keep my commands I'll ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you to help you and be with you forever uh, so here's the first thing we learn is that that if the Holy Spirit is a person, then a person relates to you. A person relates to you. You can relate to God. You know, it's, here's the thing. You can't, you can't have a relationship with your pet dog. Well, some of you think you've got a relationship with your pet dog. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not the sort of relationship that we're talking you can't, you can't have an in-depth conversation about the person of the Holy Spirit with your pet dog. <laughs> so there's a, de- there's a degree by which uh, a, 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 there's a gap between the intellect of a human being and, and a dog of, of which you will never bridge that gap in terms of a relationship now can you see the problem here he was a pillar of smoke he was a wind he was a hurricane he was a whisper he was a fire all throughout the bible and then the, the biggest issue for god is how, how does a god like that relate to small beings like you and i and so he sends his spirit to allow us to relate to him, to be able to speak to him. We're made in his image. And so therefore, there's a sense by which our desire to communicate is a reflection of God's desire to communicate. And so you relate to a person. God is not just a vague force force, and you merge with that. You relate to him. So that's the first thing we learn is that if, if God is a person, then you can relate to him. There's interaction, there's dynamic, there's not just praying to a statue and sticks. There's conversation, which is just as well because you then see here the second characteristic of the Holy Spirit, why he's different from a, a thing if he's a person. A person calls you out, particularly if they're a good friend. And whenever there are multiple translations of a word in the Bible, you know it's loaded. But the, the word here for the Holy Spirit is alos parakletos, um, para to uh, means like parallel, to come up, to come alongside, and kaleo means to call. So, in other words, uh, the Greek word for the Holy Spirit, 
Alos Parakletos means that this is someone who comes alongside you in order to call you out. And you see Jesus described that with the spirit, phrases such as advocate, spirit of truth, friend, and then that classic word counsellor. You heard that one? Wonderful friend, counsellor. I think that's a wonderful image to use because what do, what do, what do counsellors do? What do you do with counsellors? You pay counsellors lots and lots and lots of money to ask you lots of questions to get you to understand information that you already knew. <laughs> and more importantly, they, they call you out on that information. Are you seeing that correctly? Are you sure? It's exactly the same principle with a really good friend. When a friend calls you out and you said, oh, look, I can't believe Jody said that. That was just ridiculous. You know, I've just, I'm so offended by that. You know, she, she said the word party and she said it with an inflection that it was just on the up of the eye. I knew that she meant something by that because there's been something going on for me and Jody for years. <laughs> and the friend comes along and he says, she just said party. I don't, I don't, I don't think she meant anything. You ever had a situation like that? <laughs> A friend, what are they doing? They're calling you out. In other words, they are guiding you into all truth. Isn't that exactly what Jesus says the Holy Spirit does? He comes into your life to call you out and guide you into all truth. And you're thinking, how the heck does that work when it comes to God? Here it is. The role of the Holy Spirit is not not necessarily to give you more information, but to make that information real to you. If you go back and you read this interaction with the disciples, you, you see Philip say to Jesus, uh, Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. And, and, and Philip says, well, can you just show us the Father? And Jesus says, Philip, you don't understand. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So in other words, Philip, you have lots of information. You've seen the miracles. You've seen me walking on water. You've seen me teaching. Your problem, Philip, is that you have lots of information. It's just not real to you. Now, isn't that exactly the problem for the modern day Christian? We've got way more information than these guys had. And yet there's fear and there's anxiety and there's cowardice. There's worry. Our problem's not more information. Some of you have been sitting in church for like 30 years. You don't need more information. We don't need more information. What we need as Christians is for the Holy Spirit to make it real to us. Most importantly, the way that the Holy Spirit works is that the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and calls you out. It's one thing to laugh about misinformation with friends, but what about the misinformation with life? And more importantly, what about misinformation when it comes to God? You see, you'll go through life and there will be suffering and there will be hardship and there will be times when we all too often confuse life with God. And it's the role of the Holy Spirit to come in and help us in that. Because when we do that, we're saying, oh, well, he doesn't love me or he can't love me or there must be something that I've done or he's abandoned me, he's forsaken me. And the Holy Spirit says, don't do that. That's why it leads to the last thing that we see I'll just share with you. There's like 15 points I could share with you. I'll give you three, a preacher's standard. (laughs) But a a, a person relates to you. A person calls you out. It it guides you into truth. But if they're a really, really, really good friend, they'll argue with you. 
That's probably not a way that we think about the Holy Spirit. But the role of the Holy Spirit, if, if, if he's a person, is to argue with you. There's a soft side. There's a sympathetic counselor side. Are you sure? Let me guide you into truth. And then there's this hard side to the Holy Spirit that argues with, with you. And here's what I mean. I, I believe it's the, the, the job of the Holy Spirit, not just to de- defend you against all the enemies of the world, but to defend you against the enemies of your own heart. It's the role of the Holy Spirit to argue with you. For example, in Romans 8.15, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of his Son, the Holy Spirit, who comes into our heart crying, Abba, Father. And do you know what that means? It means it, it comes in the, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart when, when there's those moments that you think, God doesn't love me or I'm not his child and it's the Holy Spirit's role to come in and say, no, 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 that's not true. Hebrews 12 says, have you forgotten the word of exhortation that argues with you? That's a weird way of saying it, isn't it? The word that argues with you. How does the word argue with you? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job to argue with when you're cast down. When that suffering happens and you feel like you're abandoned, the Holy Spirit has an argument with you and says, no, no, remember the scripture. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Or you feel, you feel that shame and that guilt of that sin or that thing in your life that's kept you a slave, as we heard this morning, and the Holy Spirit comes in and argues with you and says, no, that's done as far as the east is from the west. He will remember your sins no more. Starts arguing with you. arguing. Anyone ever had this happen to them? Or is it just me that sounds like I'm crazy up here as a preacher? Yeah. Okay, we've got a couple at least. What is that? It does, let's be real, that for the outsider looking, it, it sounds totally crazy. But think about this. Why, why, would, why would you ever think those thoughts? If, if you have those imaginary arguments in your head, why, why would you ever think those thoughts? Who brings those thoughts into your head? Dallas Willard says the truly lost person is the person who no longer wants to want God. Like the very fact that you've got a thought pattern that is arguing with you is wonderful, on one hand wonderfully mysterious, but on the other, the sort of evidence that we see is the way that the scriptures talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't like grace. <laughs> we don't like the idea of grace. We don't like the idea of the gospel. We think we have to earn our way with God. We think we've got to be right with him. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to pound it into your head until you just relax. <laughs> In fact, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit's job, I think, to, to hold you the way that, that any parent holds a child that has got themselves into such a hysterics that they can't come down. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit's job to fight you and to hold you tight so much in the truth of God's words and promises, even though it doesn't feel like it. They're just going to hug you and, and, until you give up and relax and to sink into the reality of that truth. Haven't we had or needed some of those moments in our life? And I walk with God. So, simply, are you having fights? Are you having internal fights? We will see when you get to Romans 8 that if you're having internal fights, let me just put your mind at ease. You're not crazy. Um, That's actually the work of the Holy Spirit within you, having an argument. You know, he's with you if he's fighting you. (laughs) 
so that you can relate to him, which means he can call you out. There's the soft side, counsel you, but he can also fight you and say, that's stupid thinking. He loves you. He's with you. So look, as we, there's so much more I could say this morning. I just want to come down to this. Uh, like I said, I don't think I've met a Christian, I don't think I've met a non-Christian who doesn't want to experience more of God. And on one hand, we can get really worried about the whole Holy Spirit stuff, that there's just going to be too much and God will go crazy and, oh my goodness, what does that mean? But here's the thing, what if the issue is not so much about getting too much of God? Because I don't think you can ever get too much of God. I think the real issue is, are we holding something back from him? If Jesus says, I am sending you another me, alos parakletos, another me of a different kind, then, then, then are you giving every part of yourself over to that? What are you holding back from him? What are you worried about? But more importantly, what are you trying to control? He's a gentle spirit, as we'll see. He's the sort of one who won't try and intrude on your life. He's, he's one who will constantly uh, counsel you, argue with you, but ultimately leave the decision to you as to what you want to do. But look at the incredible balance of this God. On one hand, you have servant sympathy. It is a ridiculous notion as far as world religions are concerned that you would have a God that would come down in the form of a servant, the servant spirit that says, I'm here to serve you. And so what it means, if you're like every other Sydney sider, it likes to get your way, likes to get things done the way you want to get done, <laughs> who is, let's call it and be real, is prideful, who just sees people as something to be used, you know, be more like him and you will see life uh, begin to unfold and unravel in a beauty that you've not experienced before. Be like the divine selfishness of this God that we see. But also on the other end of the spectrum, do you feel like... I don't know, you're, you're an imposter, there's masks. That if, if people just knew what you're afraid about, if people knew what sort of failure you thought you were on the inside, if people uh, really had a sense of your own true inadequacy in that, you know what I say to you this morning? Pick a fight with him. <laughs> Have a fight with him. And he'll say he loves you. You are more than that. You are precious than that. You're a prince. You're a princess. You're part of the kingdom. You've been recruited <laughs> to defend the frontier against Ur and the Kodan Armada. <laughs> you, you have a big life ahead of you, wherever you sit. I'll come to him this morning. Speak to him. Listen to him. Fight with him. Reawaken your mind to the reality of the person that is the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.